And please join with me in an attitude of prayer. Patient teacher, as you fed your disciples, feed us with your word this morning. Move among us as we explore this scripture together. Give us strength and courage to hear you call us to you. Amen. In our scripture today, Simon Peter announces to the world, or at least to a group of the other disciples, I am going fishing. And when I have read his declaration before, I kind of laugh. Oh, Peter, I think, here you are in this post-resurrection world. You have seen the empty tomb. Jesus has breathed peace on you. You have seen Thomas place his hands in Jesus' wounds. And still, still you are going back to life as it was before all of that. How can you be so clueless? Except we really have no idea how long after the resurrection this story takes place. Was it a few hours? A week? Six months? We don't know. What I do know is that no matter what happens in our lives, either great griefs or great joys, both of which the disciples had, the world doesn't just stop. For Peter, the Romans still occupied Galilee and were still crucifying people, even though Jesus destroyed death. The religious authorities were still, some of them, trying to protect the people by squelching any calls for revolution, or some of them reveling in the benefits of their collaboration. The story of Jesus' resurrection might be spreading, But there is still poverty and illness, still need and violence, still even boredom and anger. Peter's world had been turned upside down, but there were still many places in which, and many people for whom, the change Jesus wrought was unknown and not yet experienced. And I think we know what this is like as well. Let's not even talk about faith right now. Let's just talk about the realities of living with great grief or great joy. After my miscarriages, it felt like the world had ended. But yet, after the first one, I had three friends or colleagues announce pregnancies. How could life go on while I was grieving? You might have had similar experiences trying to navigate the loss of a loved one when you only get three days of bereavement at work. I still believe as much joy as the resurrection brought, the disciples had a long way to go to heal from the trauma of the crucifixion. But this sense of confusion that the world can keep going on when yours seems to be spinning out of control can also happen with great joy. Sometimes marriages can feel that way, the wedding day, but after the honeymoon, you're expected to go back to dirty dishes and long work days. Your life is different, sure, but you can still get stuck in the mundane. Or think about the birth or adoption or fostering of a child. Most parents only get two months, if any time, before going back to work. Their lives have been turned upside down. Yet they are expected to live in a world that doesn't always make space for that newness, that joy. 
And this must have been true with the disciples as well. Jesus is alive. He is risen. Hallelujah. But they still have to eat, right? So yes, we might laugh at Peter, impulsive Peter, sometimes missing the point altogether, Peter. But we are right there in the fishing boat with him, casting our nets and frankly catching nothing. We know the truth of Jesus, at least some of the time. We know our faith should change our lives. But he destroyed death 2,000 years ago. And in, and in some ways, the world is the same as it was then. We still have to eat. And so we find ourselves like Peter and the disciples who went with him, going fishing. Peter, you see, is not avoiding life by going fishing, not like I at least sometimes accuse him when I've read this passage before. He is engaging in life, trying to build a new life given what he's learned. Except he's floundering. You see what I did there? Okay, just checking. (laughs) And the choir groans. Thanks, choir. Fishing in this chapter in John's gospel is not a metaphor for evangelism. In Mark, Matthew, and Luke's gospels, Jesus calls Simon Peter to follow him so he can fish for people. But in the gospel of John, fishing is not mentioned at all when the disciples meet Jesus. Instead, they hear Jesus' preaching, recognize him as more than a teacher, and they follow him. This is the first time we see the otherwise famous fisherman, Simon Peter, in a boat at all in John's gospel. But he isn't very good at it. Instead of catching fish, he and the other disciples find themselves drifting aimlessly in the water, accomplishing little. They don't quite know where to go from here. Have you been there before? Grieving a loss, wondering where to go from here, celebrating a new joy in your life, but stuck wondering how to live into the newness of it all, or acknowledging the power of your faith, but not sure what those changes might actually look like. Children, Jesus calls to them, you have no fish, have you? Jesus can see they are trying, and Jesus can see they're not doing too well. Of course, the disciples don't know it's Jesus calling them from the shore, not yet, but he knows them. He knows us. He knows that sometimes we try, but we don't really know or remember what we are doing in this world that is the same but not the same. He knows that more often than not, we find ourselves drifting, aimless, accomplishing little But the disciples do have something going for them in this story. First of all, they're honest. And then they listen. They are willing to try something new. Jesus asks them if if they've caught anything, and they say no. And when he suggests they cast their nets on the other side, they listen to him and give it a try. There's no arguing like in the Gospel of Luke when Simon Peter tells Jesus that they have fished all night long but caught nothing. You know that argument too, I'm sure. We've already tried that. Why try it again? 
Nor, when Jesus tells them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat, does anyone complain about backseat fishing. No one tells Jesus it's easy for him to tell them where a good place to fish or a new technique to try um, is when he's all the way out on the shore, not even in the water with them. There are no questions about who this guy way out there on the beach thinks he is. Instead, they hear his suggestion, they cast their nets on the right side of the boat, and they find so many fish they cannot haul the net in. They had been drifting. Maybe they are tired, out of ideas for spreading the gospel. Maybe they're frustrated with the roadblocks of being evangelists and want to try something they were good at once. Maybe they're just hungry. But they listen when Jesus shows up, even before knowing it's Jesus. And so they encounter abundance. Do you think we could do the same? Now, Calvary is a vibrant place. Yesterday, I sat in contemplative prayer, listening to the bells ring and the United Methodist men mulching outside, folks dropping off items for the bake sale. Then I went in to inspect the cake the prayer shawl group got for Alice to celebrate all she has contributed to that ministry. And then we had a wedding. But I've also noticed that many of us are tired. Some people can't do the things they've wanted to do because of new physical limitations. Others are overscheduled with school and work. Others are still hurting from their own griefs and wondering when their friends will reach out. We worry about attendance and money. Many of us are tired or frustrated, just like those disciples. But maybe, just maybe, we can still listen to the, for the voice of Jesus. With the appearance of Jesus in this story from the Gospel of John, we are reminded that when the disciples and when the church taps into the power of our risen Savior, rather than drifting aimlessly, we will have access to a power beyond human measure. When I was serving at a church in Edgewood, Maryland, before coming here, I was serving a church that was drifting. There was no money in the community, even though we had gotten a few new members. Many beloved pillars of the church had passed away. People felt stretched thin. They kept pushing forward, but they just felt stretched. But then we heard a call. Open the church. Open the church to those who are experiencing homelessness. Over Christmas... That county didn't have the resources that Frederick does or didn't use them in that way. The one shelter there was was very limited. So in the cold weather months, we began a rotating shelter, and our church became the first to host, even though we were one of the smaller churches involved. This tired church, a drifting church, experienced an abundance of love and purpose. They cooked meals and prayed over our guests. They sat next to them in worship, brought the ones who didn't come to worship donuts. They got to know new people in the community, would visit them in the hospital, invite them to Bible study. Did the church grow? Not necessarily. Did they get a huge donation for their work? No. But they had a mission that nourished them and gave them a new life 
when they listened for Jesus. That drifting stopped as they dropped their nets on the other side of the boat. You see, as Christians, we don't have to drift aimlessly as those disciples without fish were doing on the Sea of Tiberias that night. We can listen for the voice of the risen Christ, who provides the spiritual nourishment that brings life and empowers us on our journeys of faith. So let us listen together. Let us trust this voice calling us to do something different, maybe even something new. Who knows the abundance that we might just encounter?